Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 303 with our review of Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I'm Christopher Schneezy. I'm Carson Patrick. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, we are talking about... Uh, I mean, re- regardless of whether uh, Carson was interested or not for this film... Um, this is definitely a much anticipated review, I would say, because, um, you know, people who are fans of the podcast and have listened to, you know, back in 2011 when the last film came out, uh, our discussions of that film, uh, everybody knows that, uh, and as my simian friends would say, uh, Chris, love apes more than Carson. <laughs> Yes. Which I don't know if that was my ape voice or that that was my Cookie Monster voice, but uh, uh, well, they're they're pretty similar. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yes, yes. Yeah. C is for Caesar, and that's good <laughs> enough for me. Um, that would have been a that would have been a whole other movie. <laughs> yes, it would have been. I think that's a, that's one of the. Uh, not quite fan fictiony, but that's like a, an offshoot. Um, that's that's like how they had, like Anchorman two had the alternate joke cut. That's like yeah, a, yeah. yeah that's on the that's gonna be on the Blu-ray. That's in there for sure. The Sesame Street version. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I mean, th- th- this has the potential to be you know another one of our controversial episodes. I mean, unfortunately, Steven isn't here to be the level-headed middle ground between us or to side with either one of us. So I think I think he purposely went on vacation. Obviously, he didn't. He didn't. But I think he did. Yeah, subconsciously, Secretly. he was like, I cannot be there for this. because Yeah, this he is was just... like, oh, thank God this wedding falls on July 11th, the weekend. <laughs> I'll be gone. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm interested to talk about it. I think... Uh, I mean, I, I think out of the two of us, I had the most to lose and you had the most to gain from saying this because, you know, it, there, there's a small chance that y- you could all of a sudden be like, holy crap, this, you know, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes totally makes up for everything I didn't like about Rise of the Planet of the Apes. And you could become this huge, like, person, you know, shouting to the heavens that Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is awesome. True. Um, from my standpoint, I'm, like, returning to the sequel to one of my favorite films of uh, 2011. And. Uh, you know, like it, it, it's it's one of those times where I walk into a theater. I'm just like, ah, please, 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 do not let me down because <laughs> I am very, very excited for this film. And um, yeah, I, I had a lot to lose going into this. So, well, I mean, for people who don't know, uh, wait, I don't even know where I was going with that. But yeah, like, <laughs> um, I, I feel like if you if you just tuned in right now, you should go back and listen to that episode because yeah it was a it was a big one i don't know what i was trying to say there i had i had a thought in my head and then it it left no but i i will i will put a link in the show notes for this episode over at spoilerwarning.com i will put a link in the bottom of them to send you over to revisit our review from um uh, rise of the planet of the apes and you can listen to our beautiful discussion of that I remember what I was going to say. It was I remember in that review I said that I hoped the sequel would maybe uh you know maybe they would do the things that I wanted them to do in Rise. So I was like, well maybe they'll, you know. <laughs> oh, that that's right. That that's uh that's our t-shirtable line from you that <laughs> when are these apes going to rise? Yeah, yeah. I that was my that was my whole thing about that movie. I was just like 
Because that movie ended and I was like, that was it? Like, I felt very underwhelmed when it was over. And uh, yeah, I, I I still might be thinking that way. <laughs> so, I, I, mean, I don't I, know. I can only imagine that when, when Rise of the Planet of the Apes ended, you were like, you're like, son of a bitch, man. I mean... Sure, they sort of started to rise by the end, but, you know, they really needed to get them ha- get their hands on some guns and uh, <laughs> maybe take out everybody's favorite redneck hillbilly. Oh, uh, hell yeah. I-, I laughed when he showed up. <laughs> I did, too. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, all they needed was, like, Walton Goggins to be the other guy that was <laughs> hanging out guys. with him. And he's exactly. had, like, the perfect, like, redneck racist uh, <laughs> southern people. To like, the, the stupid redneck guys testing out all the guns. Which, I mean, <laughs> frankly, I-, I know you gotta test them out, but, I mean, don't you think, like, a couple shots would do? I'd save all those bullets, man. Well, you gotta make sure that, like, an entire clip can empty. Because, I mean, imagine That's if you true. tested out the first three shots, and then maybe only the first six were good. Um, you need to make sure that you can actually empty an entire magazine, pull it out, put a new one in, and start shooting more apes again. Cause, I mean, yeah, because when those apes start coming, you don't yeah. want it to jam be like, oh no, <laughs> I'm ape food now. Yeah. It, yeah. it would be pretty bad. But anyways, uh, do you think uh, we should just, you know, you know, quit putting off this inevitable uh, lighthearted discussion and, All and right. uh, get into this review? Yes. All right. For everybody listening, if this is your first time, we're going to take a listen to the trailer for uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes and then come back and give you our full thoughts. Caesar! 
All right, so that was the trailer for Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, the sequel to Rise of the Planet of the Apes, the reboot of the remake of the whatever, as that Onion video puts <laughs> the out. The reboot of, like, the eight movies that came before. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, yes. if, if you saw Rise of the Planet of the Apes, you know that, uh, you know, some scientific stuff was going on, and, uh, you know, the chemical algorithms may have been messed up. And, A little uh, bit. it turns out that this, um, you know, this, this nice little... You know, vaccination type thing that's supposed to, uh, you know, help society and help people with Alzheimer's uh, ends up becoming this deadly virus that uh, sort of just destroys all of humankind, except for small (laughs) pockets that are, you know, living uh, around the world. It was it's all aliens fault. He just wanted to party really hard. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, But basically, you know, so so small handfuls of people have survived, but, you know, they've been surviving in, in you know, not the best means. They're using what la- last, fuel resi- uh, last fuel reserves they have, trying to stay alive and give themselves power um, through generators and stuff like that. But, you know, this, this little pocket of people in San Francisco all held up in this one tower, you know, they're not going to be able to live very much longer unless they get some power. Well, in uh, over in the forest over there, um, you know, they might have a hydro generator, which was used at some point in time, but, you know, stopped being used when they got nuclear power, but that nuclear power is gone. So they need to hike up into the forest and try to get that electro hydro uh, electric power plant started up again. But on their way up there, they run into, you know, a pack of apes, which ah, have been living hate it when that happens. for the last 10 years in their own you know, peace, living in their nice little society that they've built up. This this cool little tribe of apes up there. And, uh, you know, now that they are both aware that they exist, tensions may begin to rise uh, all over the planet um, that may soon be controlled by apes. Uh, so, you know, tensions flare and craziness ensues. And if you've seen any of the trailers, you know that there may be some apes riding on horseback with uh, double-fisting machine guns riding <laughs> through walls of flame. So, um... Carson, is that the sort of thing that you're into, or uh, do you have no soul? <laughs> uh, I well, first of all, I was gonna say that uh, with Rise of the Apes, I uh, like I said, I was very underwhelmed and didn't really get all the praise for it. And uh, I actually, I don't know if I mentioned this ever on this uh, show before, but I actually went back and rewatched Rise <gasps> not too long, not too long after it had come out. Full disclosure, it was during a Doug Benson movie interruption, but Yikes. I got the best of both worlds because I got to, you know, see people cracking wise about it and got to see it again. But, I mean, the thing is, though, it's one of those movies where, because if you're doing something like that, where you're like, anytime Doug Benson interrupts these movies, like, some of them work wonders and then some don't and like rise of the apes was definitely one that wasn't very well suited to uh interruption because it's just you know there's there's a lot of lulls and uh so basically i just was sitting there re-watching it again uh, and then occasionally someone would interrupt to say like oh that <laughs> that ape looks fake or something you know whatever somebody would interrupt with pot comment ha 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 right uh but um <laughs> But uh, the best thing ever was Ed Holmes was there, and at the end of uh, 
when like the big gorilla falls off the San Francisco bridge at the end. Yeah. There was a girl who went like, oh, like in the audience. And he just said, just ones and zeros, everybody. And I thought that was pretty funny. But um, that's, your, that's your jam joke right there. That was that's my go to just ones and zeros. Um, but yeah, I uh, I still felt like that it was just it was just a very bland movie. Like I it just it didn't really seem to surpass that level and you're um, still talking about rise right now rise yeah, yeah. um because i didn't flat out think it was an awful movie obviously we paint it as you know like oh it's so terrible uh but i just think that it was just sort of average and you know that's that's why i wasn't on board with it but and, now and, and, and to be to be fair for the people listening the the controversy between us is the level to which I praise the film yeah. versus the level to which it didn't do much for you at all. Um, right, because I think I gave it like a pass, but I, w- I wasn't like, oh, must avoid or something. Yeah, like in, in our in our big controversy over Hannah, like I thought Hannah was a downright bad movie. <laughs> right, and I said that was like a must-see, so. Yeah. Um, but uh, I feel like now we're here with Dawn of the Apes, which... I know people have said this before, but seriously, Dawn should have come first, and then this should have been Rise. Like, Dawn comes before Rise, people. Come on. Uh, but well, it's, uh, al- it's always the Risest just before the Dawn, so <laughs> I, I think they, <laughs> they take it I, correctly. That's, that's what they're going off of, yes. Um, yeah, so now having seen the second one, this is where we're going to get to it. I think that Rise of the Apes looks like a flat-out masterpiece compared to <laughs> Dawn of the Apes. I think that I, I would go back and give Rise a must-see compared to this movie if I knew what was coming, because I feel like they took whatever Rise, at least the goodness that it had in Rise, because there was like a lot, I felt uh, Rupert Wyatt, the director, at least had a hand in terms of like, he, he had some skill. You could see, like, you know, maybe this was just his big movie to get his foot in the door. Uh, but you could see the the level of skill, and you could see the fact that the tone of the movie was reminiscent of, you know, the original Planet of the Apes films. I feel like this movie, now we have a new director, Matt Reeves, um, who I think is a great filmmaker. Uh, you know, he made Cloverfield, and let me in, which I didn't like, but I mean, I admired it because the guy was <laughs> the guy was remaking a movie that just like I mean, he was like you know, it was an uphill battle from the start. Uh, but it's a well-made film, even though the original is a lot better. But uh, uh, yeah, like, and I think that you know, so there's obviously like someone you know they they he's a good filmmaker, and uh, but I feel like this. This gets, like, the... I don't feel like the tone of this movie is right at all. Like, this movie... Like, I just sat there and felt like... Like, like Christopher Nolan was watching this going, like, lighten up, guys. Like, this is just so <laughs> serious. Like, I, at least the Joker made jokes. Like, he was funny, you know? Hey, like, there's the one scene with where, like, Scarface is like... <laughs> and he's, like, doing his, like, I- I'm from the circus. Koba was just all, like... 
cracking wise with the redneck dudes. Uh, uh, yeah, but I, <laughs> dude, you just you just like saying his name for the first time. I, somebody has to make like a Photoshop thing where it says Koba Commander. And it's just him, <laughs> and it's him with the two guns, like yeah, exactly. Um, and it says, "I'll get you, Joe's." But you see, that's like. <laughs> That like that whole scene like that was like the money shot in the trailer and everyone was like oh my god it's so cool like that was a scene where I was like am I supposed to think this is cool like I to me it's not like I just thought it looked sort of funny um, like anytime they were on the horses like that first scene where Caesar rides up and he's just all like you know you humans stay down here and we apes stay up there and d- <laughs> don't don't disturb why, us why, why why is your Caesar Austrian. <laughs> He's a, that's all I can do. He's just Arnold Schwarzenegger to me. Um, he's just like, yeah, humans get to the chopper. Do not, uh, do not disturb us. We have small, small apes. They're uh. trying to go to kindergarten. Um, so yeah, they went, you know, that whole scene and like he rides away on the horse and I just, I couldn't help but laugh. Like, I just thought it looked so ridiculous. I, I, well, here, here I, because I, they're, I, but it's like so serious because he's just like, oh, I'm an ape, and it's just like, but you're fake and you're riding a, a real horse, and uh, but anyway, that that was just uh, uh, the main thing is that it's like so just deathly serious. I feel I felt like that um, the first movie or Rise was had a little bit of lightness in tone, um, and like I said, that was more reminiscent of uh, of the original films and. Uh, also, this movie is just, it's also very dark to look at. Like, it's very muddy and, and dull and drab. It's not really great to look at. Um, well, you're in a dull, muddy, drab forest. Yeah, but I mean, I feel like that there could be a little more done. Like, I, like with Rise, too. Like, they, they, there was a lot of stuff in that that at least was, you know, felt like good set design i mean i i feel like here there's like two sets there's the forest and then like their compound the human compound like it it feels well <laughs> the problem is that that complaint is accurate because story-wise literally there is no man's zone there is the 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 holdup of what's left of San Francisco civilization, like the people that weren't killed are now held up in this one tower, and nobody leaves except for these little mini expeditions. So yeah, but th- th- like there are two sets, but it's not because they were shitty at, at designing places to go. It's because in the story, like there's, I, I mean, think think about any zombie movie. Like there is behind the walls, and then there's that's it like because all of civilization is trapped behind that wall or like even warm bodies like you have the airport and you have uh the human base and those are the only two set pieces because yeah but at least in warm bodies there was like a sense of scope like i feel like this movie doesn't really have that like i i guess they're trying to go for a little more intimate scale but something like warm bodies has interesting characters like i feel like all the characters in this film are just indistinguishable. Like, they have no personality. Like, Jason Clark could have been played by anybody. Like, any of these actors could. Like, I feel like it's a waste of their talents. Like, why hire Gary Oldman when he only has, like, 10 minutes of screen time and he really gets nothing to do? Like, I mean, I feel like that's that's a waste. And and especially since, like we said, you know, Matt Reeves, the director, we have solid proof that he could make 
a great film. Like you look at Cloverfield that has, you know, good characters, like characters that you're engaged with and you want to root for and, you know, good, good monsters, good creatures and like good suspense. All of that is in that film and none of that is in this movie. Um, and, and I think that's a, that's a huge fault that the human characters are not interesting whatsoever. At least in the first one, you had James Franco, like, trying to, you know, giving his Franco-ness into it. Uh, and there was, you know, John Lithgow and, and Brian Cox, and, and you, there was a little more, you know, to, to keep you going, because obviously, you know, they can't show you, they're not ballsy enough to just make it all about the apes, you know? There has to be some kind of conflict. And I feel like the conflict in this movie comes comes uh comes into motion very conveniently you know like it's the apes don't really even think the humans are still alive and then all of a sudden you know the next scene oh there's a human you know they just they conveniently have to get you know the dam where they have to get their power source is conveniently located you know right by the apes' habitat well and the, uh, they they escape from the city into the forest which is the area where like i i i think that there, there, there's, con- there's straight convenience where it's like things happen because they have to, and there's things that like those are plausible constraints. I mean, you have you have apes asking other apes like, you know, do you think the humans even exist anymore? And they're like, you know, I don't care, or probably not, or you know, it's been ten years, we haven't seen anything. It's or I think the line that the ape signs is like, it's been two winters and we haven't seen yeah, them in two winters. Just two like winters, that. yeah. Um, so I mean, to me, that's not a convenience. That's like a oh. We now realize they're alive. They're not only alive; they're coming into our forest for some unknown reason. Um, but they didn't. But they didn't know that they were there yet. Yeah, I mean, I know. Yeah, but I mean, I'm just saying. Like, even if I give you that, which okay, I'll give you that. It, it, you still can't deny the sheer convenience of the fact that uh, the one like doucher dude, who's that's a only his only personality is just douche who's gonna screw everything up. Uh, the guy from Fringe. He conveniently is the only, you know, worked at the DWP, so they have to bring him along in order, you know, and then he'll have to screw things up. Like, it's like there's stuff like that with the characters. Like, Carrie Russell is playing someone, oh, she worked for the CDC. Like, that's great. Like, how convenient, you know? Like, she'll come in handy later. Well, <laughs> once again, you have a, like, in, in, a, in a normal circumstance, yes. Like, I, I would completely agree with you. But in a survival thing where you have whoever survived in this city, like they even talk about the reason why the human outpost even has guns is because when the military and the National Guard was there, once everything got really bad, they all pulled out and just left all their shit. Like, so, so it wasn't yeah. like there is no backstory of like we fought forever and we went from building to building and took everyone's guns and like we raided all the Costco's and all the Walmarts in the South and like now we have all the rifles that exist in human hands. Um, there is a very specific like we like society was moving in ways that it could it kind of led them into this part of san francisco and the survivors all band together and if you were like so like let's say you are medically trained in some way right and you are with a remaining group of survivors simply the fact that you are a medical professional and that you understand a little bit about this virus you would be bubbled up to the top of the hierarchy of who's important in this group so maybe you know maybe felicity showed up and nobody knew her at first but <laughs> some at some time over the last 10 years um 
like she would have become the person who gets sent out on missions like this um like the whole well, yeah she would of, of course but i'm just saying i feel like in this movie it feels more glaring because the fact that the characters have zero personality and they just sit around explaining things that we already know. Like there's a scene where they're sitting around a campfire and like token black guy is just like, oh, the apes, they don't need water or electricity or heat or blah, 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 because they're apes. It's like, yes, I know that, sir. Like, why would you be talking about that? Or but, like but, Jason, but, but like Jason we, Clark going like, well, she works for the CDC. It's like, yeah, shit, they know that, dude. Like, you're saying that because we don't know. Like, it's just so on the nose. But but I think <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep making the exact same excuse. Like, <laughs> so, so we as people, sometimes when like, like, okay, so, you know, if you look out and you see, like, a sunset or whatever, and you're like, oh, like, you know, so everybody agrees that the sunset is pretty or whatever, right? But every once in a while, you know, like, you look out and you're like, oh, you know what? The sunset really is freaking beautiful. Like, just for whatever moment it hits you, and you say something that's either super redundant or super obvious just because, like, you're emphasizing the weight of that moment. So, the so okay, so let me combine that statement with just... Specifically, that scene where that guy—I've heard some people, I've seen some people online who refer to *Dawn of the Planet of the Apes* as a as a anti-gun propaganda movie or something like that. Like people mm. are talking about, like this thing is definitely anti-guns because there's scenes where like literally apes are screaming like "no guns," and I'm like, no, this isn't an anti-gun film. If you take that scene around the campfire where that where that it, it's just like really that guy is just sitting around there, it's completely silent, and he's like, you know what's really scary about them? They don't need all this crap. So the ape itself is such a uh, stronger opponent to the humans that really they 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 are superior to humans in every single way, other than the fact that they can't quite speak as fluently as, as uh, they can't speak English <laughs> they as have well. A little, as, they have a little English problems. Yeah, um, but but for the most part, like if you put an ape and the smallest ape and our biggest human in a fist fight, the ape is going to destroy that human. The one thing that separates us is our, our firepower, our guns. So when people say this is, this is uh, you know, an anti-gun movie, it's not. It's simply the reason why the apes are so anti-gun themselves is because they are trying to level the playing field. If, if you have a small group of, eight, uh, of humans with guns in a large crowd of apes, yes, the apes might be able to overpower those humans eventually, but they're still going to lose a lot of people. So I, I think that, that that scene where he's saying that is not about like throwing in random exposition that doesn't matter to anybody. It's literally about him like going like, it's not just that they're frightening because there's a bunch of them and they're powerful. It's frightening because, like, you know, we, the only reason we're up here is because we need this power so that we can survive. They're up here because they like it here. And if we're going to come up here and try to take that from them, like, they have all the advantage and we are completely at, the, at their mercy. So, to me, that scene is is almost important um, because it proves <laughs> that this film is not just some stupid anti-gun movie that the anti-gun uh, related stuff is simply about the advantage that one uh, species of creature has over another species of creature. Right. I mean, I don't think that this movie is trying to, to, to make any propaganda about that. I think they're just, you know, they're trying to be like, hey, you want to see a monkey double fisting some guns on a horse? Then yeah, if, this if is anything, your, it's very pro-guns. This is your movie. <laughs> <laughs> this is your movie if you want to see some some shit like that happen um I, I i think that i see what you're saying and then i think that that's what 
these scenes are going for, but I feel like that the way that they're written and the fact that the characters aren't interesting at all, it comes across uninteresting. Like, you know, if Robert Downey Jr. is telling me this, yeah, I'm going to be engaged because he just has a natural charisma that he's inserting into himself. He would make generic things on the page come alive. But I don't think there's anything here, like... They could have, like, these actors, it, it could have been you and I, dude, I like, in these roles, <laughs> and it would have still been the same movie. Like, it just, I, nothing would have changed. I, you, you would have been the guy who's anti-apes and, and just screwing everything, <laughs> and I would be Jason <laughs> Exactly. I'm, I'd be, uh, I'd be the, I'd be Paranorman reading my Black Hole graphic novel uh, and uh, then uh, showing it to the orangutan, which I thought was hilarious and also very on the nose because that uh, novel is about disease and also pretty hilarious because like imagine showing an ape that graphic novel and there's like so much nudity like the first five pages is like full-on dong and so it's like <laughs> oh yeah oh well we'll skip over that that's well, uh not I, I, think, ape appropriate. I, think the, I think worse than than whatever is in that uh that graphic novel um which you might argue is just uh really really sneaky product placement um maybe but, that's what Matt Reeves wants to direct next i don't but, know but but the real thing you have to wonder about is that first sketchbook that they find when they take yeah. his bag it it's all full of like like uh you know giant apes climbing the the <laughs> you know the freaking um what should we call it golden gate bridge no i mean like it's literally like it's like drawings of king kong and like creatures eating other things and, and like, yeah there's, they're just like everything is pencil and then there's red marker all over the place for blood and stuff and it's like <laughs> he had one that, like that he had one crayola marker <laughs> yeah like like that sketchbook could have been the thing that started the war it could have been, yeah. It, it's all Paranorman's fault. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, I, I don't know what I was going to say. I'll, I'll let you talk because I, I basically just, what it all chalked, I mean, I got some more things to say, but what, I all, what it all chalked up to was very bland and uh, which I think this movie is even more bland than Rise, so it's even more offensive uh, to me, because it's just like it's a waste. I feel like it's just a waste of resources. Like uh, I don't know. That's just that's just what I'm going for. And so serious. Like l- loosen up, like a little bit. I, and I think you know we've discussed this where it's like you can do serious, but it has to be done right. Like it's got to be like David Fincher style, you know, or, or something like that. Like True Detective, like that. Those are the examples, you know, just off the top of my head. So you but, so you wanted you wanted to replace uh, Felicity with Rooney Mara. <laughs> <laughs> She's, yeah. Exactly. Matthew McConaughey should have been uh, Russ Cole, a full on Russ Cole movie. He should have been the lead. Uh, that's what I'm talking. Replace Gary Oldman with Kevin Spacey. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, should have been Ben. It should have been Ben Affleck. He's like Caesar. I need you to meet me in the subway. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, uh, uh, ben, ben Affleck as as Koba. <laughs> that's the that's the other thing too, because uh, Andy Serkis obviously very good at what he does. Um, but I mean, I'll I have some other things to say about that. But I feel like Andy Serkis is he's an actor, but he's not the kind of actor like Matthew McConaughey is, where he's in like a bunch of stuff and like you know him. Like I feel like Andy Serkis in regular human mode. He's not in, you know, he hasn't been in very many roles like that where he's just playing a role. He's usually like hidden behind, you know, computer imagery or something, you know. So it's like, okay, it makes sense that he's playing Caesar. It doesn't make sense to me that they hire 
actual actor, like Toby Kebbell from Rock and Rolla, um, plays Koba, and Judy Greer plays Caesar's wife, who doesn't do anything in this movie. Like she doesn't even say like, "Oh, that's the last time you'll see one of some of these," and like flashes him her eight boobies. Anyway, that that was a joke. <laughs> um, <laughs> my girlfriend said that they should have called it uh, "Arrested Develle Apement." Uh, yeah, that was swish. swish. Um, but anyway, like, I don't, like, why would you hire Judy Greer to play the ape, Caesar's ape wife, when she literally just, she's sitting there the whole movie, like, I, why? Like, that's just, they could have hired, like, the, like, the ape dudes who were, like, in, you know, that no, I don't know, it just didn't make sense, it felt like a waste. That was just what I was gonna say. I'm, I'm sorry you feel that way, Carson. Because it's like, you don't know that it's her unless you, you know, look in the credits or on IMDb or something. So it's well, not like you go like, oh my gosh, great motion capture work from Judy Greer. It, now, now, is that all motion capture or is that related to voice stuff that maybe we didn't hear with that character? No, it's uh, they did the mocap stuff huh. like like Andy Serkis did for Caesar. So it's like kind of like, why didn't they just hire like an Andy Serkis type, you know, to do some of these other roles? Like, it just didn't make any sense Because to me. it's not motion capture, it's performance capture. They wanted oh. the actual performance of that individual to show up. Well, I mean, it's still, it's, it's, uh, it's still a waste because it's like how, uh, it's like how that video that I sent you is about like the, the, the effects guys saying how like, you know, they they'll they'll do like practical stuff on these movies and then they'll replace them with CGI and that's essentially what they're doing here it's like we're replacing like actual people with computer generated imagery and to me you know and i've said this obviously said this many times before on the show like i would rather you know see the practical version always because to me i'm like the only person who thinks you know these apes look super fake and they do because there's a lot of this. A lot of these scenes come off just like you know video game scenes, especially at the end, especially that opening sequence where they're chasing all the deer and they're fighting a bear. That bear oh made that bear and Wolverine look just magical, like really real. Okay, here, uh, here, here's the thing. Like so, the, the what what we are encountering here is CG that looks of a high enough quality that it looks bad. Like if it was just shitty like you wouldn't complain as much because you would just be like you're like oh yeah that shitty cg whatever like they are achieving there are shots in this film that are photo real and uh, yes when you combine crazy movement and a bunch of stuff you know that that photo realness starts to fade away a little bit right you know some of the elements get stripped away but it looks damn good like you have to like it doesn't look completely photoreal you know that it's cg apes but it actually looks good and what they are doing is so you know you said that scene looked video gamey but what you're looking at is pack hunters that are um taking on a prey like it is it is a group of apes moving in the way that apes can which is completely vertically i mean I, I don't know if it's bad form to do a video game analogy when you're trying to make the argument that it's too video gamey. But so in a normal shooter, you got you run around on the ground and you shoot shit with your guns. You know, the big thing with this new game Titanfall that came out last year is that, you know, or the beginning of this year or whenever the hell it was. Uh, the, the big thing is that there's a lot of verticality. You have the ability to double jump, to wall run and move around an environment in a way that you can't in a normal shooter. And it did it did. uh it, you know, being able to have that 
uh, mobility completely changed the landscape for what you do normally when you walk into a shooter. Like the first day you play that game after only playing like a Call of Duty or a Halo or something, um, you you will get killed a lot of times before you kind of go like, oh, that's right, throw away everything I knew about movement in a first-person shooter and now move this new way, which involves verticality. So the apes naturally have verticality. They can swing through the trees. They can, they can you know, jump up and down on things. They can leap over this stuff. They can move in this uh, really quick, fluid way that human beings just simply cannot. So they wanted to show what a highly intelligent, um, evolved form of ape, would, how they would hunt as a pack um, using, you know, like legitimate... Uh, uh, language and strate- uh, strategic, you know, positioning and like all sort of like how they flank an enemy and stuff like that. How would they present that? If this film was just dudes in suits, none of that would be possible. Like there, there is no way a bunch of guys running on the ground and maybe some wire foo up above would look better than the CG that that doesn't or does work in this film like you, they they use the best medium to present that form of information and if they were limiting themselves to um dudes in suits or puppets or whatever um they wouldn't even had this scene and you could argue which would be an accurate argument that the real true reason to have this scene is so that caesar's son could receive a wound that would allow you to differentiate him from the rest of the apes during yes. the rest of the film <laughs> however the film does story-wise accomplish something um, in that you see the way these apes function as a pack as opposed to just um, being a bunch of wild apes. Uh, so, well, I mean, I, I see what they're going for, obviously, and I do think that there could be a way to incorporate at least people in suits and prosthetics and, like, a combination of CGI because, obviously, there is some stuff that would probably need to be that way. But I feel like in today's movies, any creature or anything that's like, you know, like anything like that, I feel like that the CG always ends up being very jarring because, uh, you know, they're they're put against real backgrounds and then they just stand out. And especially when they start moving, it just it takes you out. I mean, obviously, it, it, it it would it would take you out far more, though, if it was a blending if if so if no if you're because then the- it would look you would at least be in the scene and it would be like okay i can i can at least you know my suspension of disbelief can you know at least be like okay it's actually happening it's not like a computer it's not like i'm watching a video game because i mean like if it was a video game it's fine but since this is a movie and it has video game like effects in it it just it just doesn't feel right it just feels out of place what i'm saying though is it would be far more when i say blending i mean if you had guy in suit and or puppet standing next to the cg equivalent of that exact same thing that would look far more jarring than having a consistency throughout the film like at least at least this when they're doing only performance capture there may have been an actor standing in that space um but what you're seeing is all cg but you get one consistent through through line in the visual quality of what you're looking at. So, but I mean, um, take yeah, But if you look at Jurassic Park, like the T Rex in that is a combination of animatronic and CG, and it looks great. But not every scene is a combination of that. It's, it's right. But I'm saying like I'm not yeah. But I'm just saying like that. That's could have how that is something that they could have approached in this movie. Or like could have used the same approach. I feel like I mean because. The obviously the 
the uh, makeup effects in the original Planet of the Apes uh, are good, but they're, you know, I, I feel like, you know, whatever y- your feelings are about the Tim Burton remake, that is when it looked the best. And I think, I still think that, you know, if they had used makeup and prosthetics, like it would have just, it would have just looked better. At least it would have well, looked. The, the Tim Burton remake compared to the originals looks fantastic. Their, right, their, because their I, makeup the, the, is legit. But you know where that movie fails? The technology has advanced for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but you, you know where that movie fails is when the humans do the bend over and run like a dog move to emulate the, um, the gorilla run style. Like that always looks terrible because you have a human. Who is who is quote unquote aping the the movement <laughs> of an ape and the people who do that for the people who who do, did that for Rise and did it for this film and um, the one of the guys who helped Andy Serkis learn how to move like an ape is the same guy who did the stuff for Attack the Block um, though like those guys are freaking talented and they study apes they don't just like hey do a, a little runny move with your arms and yeah that'll be good like they are people who you know we've learned a lot since the movie congo (laughs) yeah but i'm just saying if you put those guys in suits and makeup it's gonna look good uh i I, i'd say so i mean dude you just mentioned attack the block and that is using you know practical monsters and that is using practical practical monsters excuse me practical monsters that they then went over in a somewhat rotoscope fashion to remove detail from it but it looks but it looks good though because a lot of the times they're trying to mask the fact that you know it it might be cg uh, uh, and it also, it's just done really well. And I don't think that the, the CG in this movie is done well. It doesn't blend in with the, with the surroundings. It always looks like it's in a different, it's existing in a different plane. Um, but my point is, you know, whatever your preference is, and obviously my preference is that if the, you know, the, you know, suits and, and makeup and prosthetics, even if that movie had all of that, I still think it would not have been good because it still would have been a very bland average film. So. All right. Well, uh, um, this may not be a surprise to anybody, but I actually like this film. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I like it a lot. Uh, it, I think the first one was genuinely, uh, uh, it was genuinely, interesting and somewhat original and i and i thought that it that it presented the inform- like the way it focused on the story it was really it was like you know like the good elements from transformers one are all about the boy in his car uh yeah the, the rise what made that great is because it was the dude and his ape like it was it yeah. was very much um you know it, it was similar to it was similar feelings to like in splice where like they they like you know obviously James Franco didn't give life to Caesar, um, but he did raise Caesar. And there was this, you're watching this journey of, of um, the intelligence growing inside of Caesar and the relationship that James Franco has with Caesar. And meanwhile, that's being balanced against the relationship that James Franco has with his father and what's happening to his father. And, and you see, like, it, it's, you know, there's almost this little bit of Iron Man-y story in in the uh, the first one where, like, James Franco creates this thing that is, like, at face value is amazing, but it sort of backfires and becomes the detriment of all mankind. And, you know, while Iron Man didn't necessarily become the detriment of all mankind, he did create these, like, weapons of mass destruction that were being used by our enemies. And, you know, yeah. he had to figure out a way to stop that. Obviously, 
James Franco finds no way to stop this virus that he's accidentally created. And uh, there yeah. are huge ramifications for it. But, like, even that aspect of, like, humans being killed by this virus isn't part of the film technically. All that happens during the credits um, and in the, the opening credits for uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. But um, I just really love the story. Uh, I thought the characters were great. Um, and it's just... it's. It's a really, uh, it, it was just a hugely compelling film for me. And, um, you know, I, I, I think that the achievement they've done with this technology, uh, I think it looks amazing. It may not look perfectly true to life, but as I said, there are definitely shots in this film um, that, that look real. I mean, the opening shot of the film where it's just zoomed in on Caesar's eyes, uh, that looks incredible. And Yes, there is a lot less to be rendering at full detail when the entire frame is being filled with just uh, the eyes and nose or snout. I don't know what it's called on uh, an ape. But uh, ju- when you're that close, you can do you know, way higher fidelity of what you're trying to, to achieve than you can when you're trying to render you know, a sea of 50 apes at once that are all you know, further back from the camera. But like... What they're doing, whether or not it looks absolutely perfect and realistic, looks great, and it looks better than most other CG creatures that you're seeing and anything else that exists in the world, which part of that is your argument that uh, it just looks bad anyways, uh, but it's it's the best of the bad. Um, and <laughs> personally, I have to give them credit because it is so good. Um, but uh, anyways, back to this film. Um, yeah, obviously, there is a lot less of that um that that magic of watching caesar grow up and 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 seeing the transformation of him being this this guy who is happy to be quote-unquote in captivity with james franco to being somebody who feels that the rest of the apes uh, need to be released and um you know his people so to speak need to be let out on their own in this film it's mostly about you know we, we start from the viewpoint of the apes we start in their society we start watching them um, as a people watch that they're, like they're they're they you know they have a technically Caesar is like their dictator but everybody seems happy like everybody works as a team everything's great and we reintroduce the humans and while we follow the humans uh, more as as the film progresses really the story is the story of the apes and I think that there is a lot happening there when you have huge like 15 minute scenes of of just apes signing to each other or little bits of dialogue between them. Um, I, I think that is really powerful stuff. And um, yes, our human characters may not be perfect, but they're not the, the truly important part of of the story. Like the humans have all, all but been killed off completely. Um, so we are seeing humans or we are seeing the apes finding the humans still alive and deciding how they're supposed to interact with them. And uh, for me, the really only the only downside to this film is uh, is sort of the way it ends, um, which I'm which it sounded like you were going to comment on um, in a little bit. Uh, but mm. also uh, the the other thing that kind of bothered me is uh, like I'm fine with the fact that it's been ten years that mostly everybody's dead, so maybe the remaining humans don't really know that you know because it, it seems like the general population thinks that just there was this ape disease that jumped to humans and killed them, killed them all off. There, there doesn't seem to be a knowledge of a hyper-intelligent ape uh, that could speak that, um, that is basically very human-like. Um, it just seems like apes had this disease and it wiped us out. So 
when uh, Jason Clark goes up to the mountains and they first discover the apes, and he's like, they're just stupid ape man. They, you know, our, our buddy who want, likes to mess things up. Um, yeah. He's basically the equivalent character to that guy in the gray who just keeps screwing stuff up for those guys. Um, <laughs> he's 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 in a he's in a lot of movies. This character, yeah. yeah. But uh, but that that archetype of a guy, um, you know, he's like he's like, man, they're just a bunch of stupid apes. You know, Jason Clark recognizes that. You know, they're working more strongly as a pack. There seems to be in some intelligence, and he's like, you know, do they look like just stupid apes to you? But he still doesn't know about Caesar. So when he decides to go up to the mountain to talk talk to them um i find it very hard to believe uh that it would be reasonable for him to assume that he could go up there and just start speaking english, english to them and they would totally know what he was saying like right, yes yeah. uh, an apl no um but uh, you know a, a creature that you don't know to be hyper intelligent spouting out a single word that it probably heard a lot when it was in captivity <laughs> like i i think it's more reasonable to uh, to expect it to yell no than it is to expect it to be able to have fully like even if it understood english completely how would jason clark expect to be able to interact with it like how it like it'd be one thing if 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 he knew uh if he knew sign language or if felicity knew uh, sign language like then it would be like okay so i'm just assuming that they know sign language because we know that the disease started with these apes in captivity and those captive apes did speak sign language so some there, there there just didn't seem to be an, an expectation that communication would work at all so i'm just confused at how he went especially he didn't even know the the ape's name was caesar like because none of the apes are like oh come come meet my caesar friends like yeah was, that, that i thought the same thing too because like i you know the line in the trailer where he's like i want to speak to caesar yeah. and i was just like i don't think they've been formally introduced yet <laughs> yeah. yeah even even at that point all he had heard was was apes home human home right yeah. humans no go ape home <laughs> right and then, then like when they you know had their little uh, standoff in the forest all they said was go yeah yeah go get out of here yeah <laughs> with austrian apes <laughs> um but beyond that like i think there is um, there, there, there's still a really interesting story of like, like I said, like human beings, you know, we are barely surviving. Like I, I'm, I'm assuming there are pockets of humans left all over the planet, um, in different places, but we are seeing in this isolated part of San Francisco that there is one group of people left living inside this tower, living off the reserve fuel in their generators, trying to make a life to move forward. And, you know, while the people seem happy enough, like under the circumstances, like they seem to have have formed a society that that works for themselves they don't like they secretly aren't being told that like yeah everyone's dead within a week if we don't figure out something to do so there 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 is a sense of desperation and like you said this film isn't funny but like i, I feel that the desperation is true like in this in this time um so you know we both semi recently saw the film snowpiercer and in yeah. that story, you have, like, everyone who's left alive on the planet is on this train that makes, like, one pass around the planet a year. And, um, you know, there, there's there's a bunch of constraints on how people live and what class of society you're in and what part of the train you live in. But, like, for me, that that film was, was pretty rad. But all I could think of the whole movie is, like, this is all that's left of humankind. 
And because of the con, like the whole conceit of what the train represents, there's no expectation that mankind will ever advance outside of the train. So to <laughs> me, I would rather just die. Like there, there is the, living on that train is not a real life. Like I don't like at that point. Why does humanity want to live on at all? Like because there's no there's no sense that hum- humanity will ever thrive again. There's just this like desperation of people clinging on to a life that is nothing i mean obviously yeah. the people in first class and second class like their life is awesome they just get they, to they, they, snort the, the drugs lower... and drink, <laughs> yes, drink alcohol is... and probably have sex with each other so, so right that, I mean, well, they, the, the lower class just wanted a piece of that action i think you know yeah yeah but like, like all i all i kept thinking is just like somebody just gassed the train or something like, like yeah no i mean well that that's another good example of a film that uh is a completely serious and uh you know very heavy movie and uh it, it it's done very well and it works like that's you know i think that uh you know that that is a good example and i and i feel like that in terms of sci-fi and dystopian future like that you know that movie really like has you know it it has a a cool like established world and i feel like there are genuine stakes and that's what was missing from dawn of the apes was that i I didn't think there were any stakes really like even less so than rise well i I think there. i I mean i feel like it kind of felt like world war z to me where it just all seemed you know very so so and and uh, you know, you I, nothing really seemed to have any consequence. Like I, I don't know. Like it, but and I, it, it also I, didn't help I, I that dis- this movie just felt like the filler movie. You know, like for the next one. Well, I mean, be, because of the way it ends, it definitely has that like stigma can definitely be placed upon it. But I, I think the stakes are huge in this film. I mean, you have you have two groups of people who who are under the understanding that they have to destroy the other group if if their group is going to be able to survive in any meaningful way. And you have small groups of people, small faction within those groups who are actually trying to maintain peace. And you have you and, and like there's this weird dynamic too because obviously Caesar is the leader of the apes and the apes won't do anything without Caesar's without Caesar's blessing. But there are like, you know, rogue factions and the apes that like may be able to disrupt that in some way. And yeah. there's always a sense of like, you know, if this person gets out of control, this is going to be gnarly. On the human sides, you don't even have that. I mean, like Gary Oldman is granting Jason Clark the the chance to go out and, and, and do, attempt to do something. But there's always a finite period of time there. Like he's like, dude, you got three days and then we're just going to attack the crap out of these apes. So like there there is... There is a, a, like, it's not a level playing field. It's not just like a Romeo and Juliet thing where the two houses hate each other, but the two in the middle love each other. Like, this is, this is. <laughs> Jason Clark really <laughs> loves Caesar. Yeah. And this uh, is how AIDS started. Um, <laughs> it's an um, AIDS prequel. That's what it really, that's, but, that's the real propaganda of this movie. And, and anyways, what, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say, though, is like, there's this constant, like, disruption of like, you know, the apes are going to be attacked in three days. Um, yeah. And, and, and you know that a lot of humans are going to die if the apes attack the humans, uh, especially if they were to somehow get their hands on some guns, like in the trailer. Um, so there, there is just this constant looming threat of like, can they accomplish their goal? And, and, and also a, an idea of like, okay, so let's say, let's say everything works out perfectly. Let's say the humans are able to go into the mountains and, and with the apes help start up the, the generator 
And let's say they go, okay, cool. We will not cross the bridge anymore unless the generator goes down and we'll just send a small team. Like, let's say they come up with some peace agreement. How long do you think that could really last? Like, of these two sides, knowing the threat of, I mean, it's like, it's like having, uh, you know, superpowers with like missiles that are just pointed at each other constantly. Like, all it takes is one person to decide, like, no, we could probably just wipe these guys out. And then there's this all out more. <laughs> um, and there's, like, for me, I... I mean, obviously, you know, because in the trailer, there are apes on horses with guns. Yeah, you, you know, know they're going to attack. It's inevitable. They're yeah, you, attack. you know there's some sort of fight, but you don't know, um, like, maybe it's going to be just the the rogue insurgent group of apes, or maybe it's just the rogue insurgent group of humans, or maybe while that's happening, every all the factions will break off, or, you know, like, you don't know, you don't, you don't know the true eventuality. You just know that war is coming. No, war is already here already (laughs) it has already begun um like so i i don't know like i i i i definitely uh liked it a lot uh i it didn't disappoint me in any real way other than a few logical things like how does jason clark know they speak english and um the fact that it ends in sort of an incomplete way uh but besides that, I think the emotion is still there. Um, you know, while the human characters aren't perfect, I think the eight characters are pretty perfect. And they're, they're, there's really something here that, that sets up the idea of a very scary um, future of, of just like the desolation of, of, of you know, humankind, um, how quickly it happened, and just th- this real sense of dread of like, we are just trying to survive now. We are people who weren't wiped out by the virus because of, you know, possible genetic reasons. And, uh, you know, all of us are Matt Damon from Contagion. And <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't guarantee us a life of, of perfection. It's not like it's not like half the population or even like three quarters of the population just drop dead instantly. And then the rest of the survivors get to hang out. It's not like there was a rapture that happened. And we're just watching the people that, that didn't get raptured. It It, it is literally like the whole world is screwed and we've lost our way of life and now we have to survive in a way that we've been managing but maybe we haven't been managing so well maybe we're actually way more desperate than we thought we were but we've got to do something um so uh, uh yeah well I-, I was gonna say uh it's funny you mentioned contagion because i was gonna say something about that film uh, in relation to this one but I wanted to mention real quick about the plot because I feel that the it's pretty th- thread. I mean, it's pretty it's pretty uh, standard, but I feel like that the, the you know within the apes community and the humans, I feel like that they you know it's very black and white. Like it's very like there are good humans and then there are really, really evil humans or really, really evil apes. And then there's the good apes, you know, like there's no like in between because there's, it's, it's almost weird how they like reflect one another, how like, you know, uh, Jason Clark is almost like the intelligent leader of the humans, you know, whereas Caesar, Caesar is the intelligent leader of the apes. And, well, you know, I, I, I DWP that, guy is the rogue and Koba is the rogue ape. You know, like there's all these, but that, you know, but, they, but they both have that's, sons. That, that I think is a, like, it's a little on the nose, but it's a strength of the film because it's showing that, like, we're not so different than the No, apes. but that's, that's the thing is, that, like, yeah, they're trying to show that. And then that's basically the whole point of this movie is just, like, can't we all just get along? And, uh, and, and then the thesis of the movie is maybe no. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. But, I mean, that that's... 
it just all feels very, I don't, it just, it just all felt very stereotypical to me in terms of just like, it's very black and white. Like there's no in between. It's just like, they're the good and evil. And like, it, and that's like, but, why can't we but, just but, all get along? But, but here, here's the thing though. It, it's not strictly a good and evil. First off, both, and this isn't a new thing um, to film or, or, you know, it's, this isn't a new thing. It's definitely a trope, but yeah, it's, not yeah. just, it's not just a packs of evil within each, each group. Both people who are quote unquote evil think that they're doing the the right thing for their group like they think that this is the way that like they, they think they're helping they think that this is this is the only way to save um their people and 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 it's 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 clearly misguided and very dangerous thinking but um they all believe they're they're doing something good and then if you reduce it even further the the you know the, the quote-unquote evilest of the humans and the quote-unquote evilest of the apes one of them um is blinded by the way they were treated in the past and and that's the from the ape side so the ape the ape the evil ape is evil because he was mistreated by humans back when he was like not adva- an advanced ape um yeah the the evilest of the humans is scared of the future so they're, they're not exactly the same character their motivations are very similar but one is out of fear of uh, of of them and the other one is out of uh past hatred of of how the like so one is you know hey mostly everyone's dead because of you apes. I'm scared to death of you. I, I, I don't think I can, like, you guys might be good, but you could still kill off our population simply by being around us. Um, you know, that's why, you know, there might be a gun that goes off early on, early on in the film because simply out of fear. This one is rage and anger and pent up, like, look what they did to us in the past, you know. You yeah. Know, uh, human work human work <laughs> like there, there is there, there is like a it's not just a memory of people dying because like apes dying because of humans it's a memory of of literally being tortured by humans through experiments and captivity and stuff like that so it's like they each have their own motivations their character is the mirror image of the character but their motivations are not the mirror the mirror image of the motivations of each other yeah, well, I mean, I just feel like that it it was all very standardly done. Like, I, I just, it all fit into that same sort of category of or what I've been talking about in terms of just like, it all just felt very, it just all felt very average. Like, I, I mean. And, and, and I, I won't, I won't disagree with that. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of like when we, uh, when we reviewed uh, Need for Speed, we were yeah. like on paper. All this is is copying every single other action oh, yeah, movie that's ever existed. Exactly, yeah. But for some reason, when you take all those ingredients and mix them in a bowl and bake them at 375 degrees or whatever, uh, it it came out as this nice, yummy, gooey, delicious. I mean, yeah, it was nugget. a stupid. It was a stupid movie, but at least you know, it had Aaron Paul. Like he was, he's a presence, man. Like he was there. Like they gave him something to, to work with, you know. And and I'm not, you know, like I said. These are obviously good actors in this film. We know that Jason Clark can deliver. Like Zero Dark Thirty, Lawless, we know that he has the ability. But there's just nothing to to grab onto here. Um, and that's what I thought was very disappointing. Um, and going back to Contagion, I think that that uh, is another movie that makes you know makes me appreciate that movie even more so. Um, you know, I already liked it a lot, but like that is just. It's almost like, you know, like the opening, the opening sequence of this movie where they're showing, you know, the, the map of the, glo- the world 
and we see the virus spreading, you know, it's almost like I'd rather see like a contagion style movie, you know, but with this simian flu. Um, so so you're, you're saying that uh, the ape human conflict would be a lot better with a snaggletooth blogger um, shout, <laughs> shouting propaganda. <laughs> but, but you know people. what I mean? Like, I, but that's what I mean. It's just like that kind of approach to this sort of movie, because I, I feel like contagion is Steven Soderbergh's take on like a summer blockbuster style, you know, disaster movie, like a World War Z kind of movie. And well, like, that's how he, you know, he's approaching it from a very different eye. And I feel like that's what these movies need. I, I, I really do. And you, you know that I love Contagion. Um, but I think Contagion is the film that takes place between Rise and Dawn. Um, there, I mean, th- this is very, this isn't a, hey, this thing is active now and we're trying to defeat it. This is the aftermath. This is the film that takes place after Contagion. Um, no, no, I, yeah, I, I see that. But I'm just saying the style in which Soderbergh approaches Contagion, Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that movie could have been a very average film, but it's elevated by, you know, his vision. And I feel like that kind of vision needed to be applied to these movies to the apes, the new apes films, uh, because I feel like that there, there is no vision. Like it just feels like very workmanlike. You know, it doesn't feel like it has a personality or a presence to set it apart from everything else. Uh, it, you know, it, I was also it also reminded me of the new Godzilla, where it just it just didn't feel like it didn't have that kind of energy or anything. Uh, and and the other thing, and I'm, I, I know that you'll probably have. Uh, an explanation or something to say on it but uh, the other thing that kind of like has bothered me about like this the new reboot movies and at least i like i got a sense of it in this film because i was thinking i was like man it'd be so badass if they did like a contagion style movie where you know we see the effects of the virus but then i was like but wait a minute like the virus when it affects humans the humans just die off like they don't turn into apes like for and and like I was like, so are we supposed to like Planet of the Apes, and like really the, the only apes are like up there in San Francisco. Like everyone else has just died off. Like I, it it just seems so so weird. Like I I don't know. Like I guess I was always under the impression that there was this virus that you know afflicted the world, and they either all turned into apes or you know or something like that. Because like in the original Planet of the Apes. You know, you don't know that he's on Earth, that Charlton Heston is on Earth until the very end. Yeah. And you know, spoilers, you know, from 1968. But uh, yeah, like you get the sense that it's like the entire world is apes. Obviously, but, but in, in the original, maybe in the next movies, we don't know. But, but they, in, they, in the they original, could he that. crashes on the planet, right? Yeah. Well, he goes through like a black hole and they think he went back in time. You know, he went back, you know. Yeah, he yeah, went into yeah. the so, future, so, basically. So he, yeah. Here's here's the thing, though. Is like, so the virus mostly wipes out all humans. Um, so the planet is completely just, just empty. Um, but we establish in Rise of the Planet of the Apes that um, this, uh, th- whatever they did um, when they, you know, they, they, I don't know what the, they virusized. <laughs> I'm not sure what, what the, the proper conjugation of that is. But so, so yeah. basically they, they, they took this, um, th- this vaccine and, and made it like the just, just super, vi- like a super strong, very rapid, crazy virus. Um, and 
you know, the consequence for the apes was that it made them hyper-intelligent. But we establish in Rise of the Apes that that hyper-intelligence is passed through birth moving forward. Um, you know, because you get, you get the, uh, I forget, like, it, there's that scene where he talks about that they call it sparkly eyes or something like that because you can see this, this um, stuff in the eye that lets you know, oh, that looks like this has been passed down to this, this new birth. So um, mm. the idea yeah. of it becoming a planet of apes is all time-based so as humans die out um they lose the like so most of the humans were just killed straight out because the virus just wiped them out the ones that have survived are only surviving for so long maybe not everybody has a hydroelectric power plant that they can just tap into to to stay alive so as time progresses uh humans are just going to go extinct like that that is an eventuality which may be preventable but is highly likely so um Yes, the hyper-intelligent apes are limited to um, are, are limited currently to just being in San Francisco. But you know, over time, over generations, they could spread and migrate. And um, right, I mean, yeah, eventually, yeah, I would see that eventually it would get there. Uh, obviously, but I, I think it, I think if the, it factors into the whole idea that you know the scope of the film isn't that large and for some reason and it could have been just you know a personal thing like for some reason i was thinking that oh yeah like the virus is gonna turn people into apes but it doesn't although that might be like i said a more interesting film that instead like, of zombies they just turn into hyper intelligent apes we we end we or or, or stupid humans <laughs> yeah really dumb <laughs> humans that can't do anything it's like idiocracy yeah, they're ba- just like yeah, oh. basically the virus turns it into idiocracy and then the <laughs> apes put the humans in cages yeah. um, and sell tickets to see them until one of the other apes gets um alzheimer's and the super intelligent ape tries to create a uh a, a solution for it which ends up killing apes and making the humans hyper intelligent and it's just a cyclical cycle right um, it just keeps going that, right. it's a vicious circle yeah yeah, well, like, the problem is they didn't put enough electrolytes into the Brondo. Uh, <laughs> that's what would have cured his Alzheimer's. Yeah, needed um, some more Pedialyte. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I think that that, that was just, uh, well, because, like, I mean, I don't know how many of these damn Dirty Ape movies they're going to make, but, uh, I mean, yeah, obviously, I guess uh, we'll see in the next one. Ooh, oh, check it out. So you had Rise, and yeah. then Dawn, and if you put the R's and, or, you know, you, 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 you put put sort of a little bit of the sounds together, and you get Demise of the Planet of the Apes. Oh. And the humans win. The humans take over again. Yeah, Rise, Dawn, Demise. I think it's, uh, I think they're at a little disadvantage, though. I don't, I don't think that they can get things back up and running. Well, I, I'm sure there's probably a ship just off the coast that they can get the 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 last pregnant woman to, and all will mm. be right with the world. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's always how it happens. Yeah. But I I think I think that was uh, I mean obviously yeah the eventually they would get to the point where the original Planet of the Apes would be, but I think in my mind I was just hoping to see Contagion, but people instead of them just dying off they come back as apes and uh i guess in my head i was like i'd rather see that movie but and and, uh, and then and then if they did it that way which i would not support but let's just pretend like they did it that way 
then you can get the best of both worlds in that the reanimated humans as partial apes would be humans in ape suits and all the actual apes would be CG apes. So that way you could tell them apart. Right. And then, then you could write a blog post about how it is a comment on film versus digital. There Boom. You, there you go. Rim shot right there. Take that. Yeah. Very nice. Typing it up right now. WordPress.com. <laughs> um so did you want to comment on the ending of the film without getting too spoilery uh i mean yeah i mean there really isn't anything to comment on other than it just it feels it feels incomplete i mean and you could say that about a lot of movies especially uh as of late you know with all these marvel movies and yeah well, and, well let's just let's just say it has a similar ending to 300 rise of an empire <laughs> Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Um, and uh, yeah, but I feel like um, I feel like, but it, at least with Three Hundred Rise of an Empire, it felt like it was over. Like it, this one, it just felt like, well, we we know that you're gonna see it, and there's gonna be a third one. Um, and and I know that a lot of movies are victim to that nowadays, especially all these superhero movies that they're made solely because you know they want to make the next one and set up, you know, the universe or whatever. And that's fine. It's just at least give, give us a movie that feels like it could stand on its own and be a a whole, you know, like it's, it's, it, it, at least, you know, it can fit into the puzzle, but it, you know, if you watch it on your own, at least it feels complete, you know, like that's, I feel like that's a thing that's lacking from a lot of these, these big blockbusters is that, they're already thinking about like the next, the next, the next one, and the next one after that. That they lose focus on like, well, we need to really make this one good, you know, uh, and have people like it. Obviously, I'm in the minority on these movies, but it just in general, you know, we need people to like it um, in order for it to be a success and to make the the next couple ones that we want to make or whatever. But I, I don't know, like I, it did just have a feeling of incompleteness and. They're just like, you know, you'll be back for the next one. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, it did. It did just. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think there is a level of completeness um, to the end of this film. But obviously it's it's one of those. It's, uh, you know, you've won the battle, but you haven't won the war um, is, right. is, is definitely the feeling of it. And, you know, that can work in a television series finale. Uh, much better than it would necessarily in a film um, ending. But um, yeah, it, for me, it wasn't a huge deterrent for my liking of the film overall, but it definitely it, it definitely was kind of like... I know, it, ha- it had that very much like, uh, thanks for saving the day, Jack Bauer, but now you got to go into hiding because the U.S. <laughs> government still hates now you. Now <laughs> you got kidnapped and are going to China. Um... Yeah, like like it, 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 it definitely had that sort of feeling, which... You know, in 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 that show, uh, you know, I was I was totally fine with. You know, like in a, you know, remember remember the miniseries uh, before one of the seasons of Twenty Four, where like Jack Bauer had to go to like, oh, where he remember. went to Africa. Yeah, he went to Africa. Yeah, and then, yeah. Like, it ends with like him like looking at the up at the drone and then like running off. Yeah. Which wait was that the last very last season or was that before? 
No, it was like in between like season six and seven or something like that. Gotcha. It's yeah, kind of funny a, that in, he did look up at a drone and now in the new series it's all about drones. Or <laughs> that was off a f- all about foreshadowing. Drones, foreshadowing, obviously. For reals. They, they totally but, predicted our world's obsession with drones way right, back then. Right, yeah. But I, but I feel like, you know, at least with, with serialized television, you know, like on TV, you know, that I feel like that's more acceptable that, you know, it's going to end with, you know, the big finale of the season is, you know, oh, Jack, you have to fake your death and go into hiding, you know, because yeah. then you're like, oh, shit, well, what is he going to do next season? You know, like, I, I guess, you know, there's it's a whole different medium, you know, like it's because they have more time to establish everything and to to work that kind of stuff out. Now, obviously, that stuff gets played out and it gets old very fast, as evidenced in the last three seasons of 24. But, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, it's a different, different, whole different medium and that you can play a little more with it than than with a movie. You only got, you know, so much time. And obviously, you got to wait, you know, two to three years in between each of them. And I, and I was going to say, you know, in Rise it kind of had that feeling of, you know, that they knew if this movie is a hit, we can make more, you know, like they definitely were just like, yeah, we're going to reboot Planet of the Apes because it's, it's a brand. And they definitely had the, you know, they wanted it to be a hit so they could make more obviously. But I feel like that it rise at least had a feeling of completeness, even though it ended and I was just like, okay, but at least, you know, you even if they never made any more after that, you could you know posit where where it would end up. And yeah, but it, but it was it was also it was a reboot and it, it was it was retelling the origin story that didn't exist previously. Because before right, it was yeah. like it was like oh shit, this is Earth, and in this one we literally start at like we are re- rebooting the franchise by starting on Earth and and coming up with a scenario in which this planet could become ruled by apes and doing it in a way that shows that like. Somebody meant the best thing in the world, trying to do such good and having it backfire, and basically, in his attempt to save one man, destroys the entire <laughs> human race. Like, um, yeah, well, I that, guess basically, that's a compelling story, though. Yeah, well, no, 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 yeah, but I'm just saying that the short of the short of it was, Rise felt like it had a complete sense of you know it had a complete ending. Yeah, this movie doesn't. Um. Yeah, and I do agree, like, going back to what you said about how Rise is also on a on an intimate scale. Like, it doesn't have very wide scope. Um, yeah. But, and after having seen Dawn, I feel like it does work better in Rise because it has, it is like that, you know, the trope of Transformers or any of these other movies where it's like a boy and his dog or a boy and whatever uh you know there's a little more like the human intera- human ape interaction is a little stronger in that film yeah Dude, like i said i i look back on that movie and i was like i it was a lot stronger than <laughs> after seeing this movie you know like so uh well yeah well there, there you go at, at the very least this film accomplishes the goal of making you appreciate the first one better i i appreciated the first one a little more in the sense that it was a, it was a better made movie at least, in my opinion, no. uh, and obviously, 
you know, this whole, this whole, uh, the new rebooted Planet of the Apes, I mean, it all goes into the whole theory, you know, that Patton Oswalt talked about, you know, with Star Wars. And it's true. It's just like these rebooted Planet of the Apes are John Voight's ball sack. And I just would rather see Angelina Jolie. Like, I, that's, that's just how I am on these movies. It's like, to me, it's like not everything needs an origin story, you know? And, and, uh, Right now, two movies in, I I haven't been convinced that, you know, that we needed a reboot of Planet of the Apes. Well, may, maybe not, but if you remove the reveal that it is Earth at the end of the Planet of the Apes, does that, does that film have any significance at all? Like, if he just crash lands on a ape no, planet... It's not as powerful, no. Yeah, so so there there is that like the thing that makes that film work at all is the conceit that it is Earth. So if you remove that thing and it gets weaker, then that sort of is begging for the well, how did Earth become run by apes? Like so, yeah. I, I think there is, um, I think there is merit for an origin story m- much more. Like so, so Burton's um, Burton's reboot. Or reimagining or whatever remake, yeah, yeah it remake was just is, a, is the same thing. It's we crash and oh shit, this is Earth. Um, but so, I mean, his remake was just a remake of Planet of the Apes. Like it wasn't, you know, a, a full on origin story or yeah, reboot. Yeah, but, but that's what I'm yeah. saying is, is if you're going to reboot something, rather than just make a shot for shot remake or or to just copy the exact same film, if you're taking the IP, rebooting the IP and inserting uh, you know, a deep story about how one man destroys everything in trying to save everything that's important to him, then that's inherently more compelling than just like, hey, remember back then when we didn't have a lot of technology and we made this ape movie? Now we can make one with technology. Like, they they had more behind them with Rise than they did when Burton remade it. Well, obviously. Yeah. Well, of course, obviously, yeah, of course they did. But I mean, I just think that in the original Planet of the Apes, you know, me personally, I don't need to know how Earth got that way. Like, I, you know, it's it's more interesting to kind of theorize how did it become that way. And maybe there is a good origin tale to be told out of this series. But as of now, I don't feel like there is. Like, I don't feel like that they they could have gone, you know, that they needed to go back and, and tell it this way. Yeah. Well, maybe when the third one comes out, it'll make you appreciate Dawn <laughs> the more. The third one, yeah. Which will make you appreciate Rise even more. Three so, years, but, maybe three years from now, be like, well, the third one is the shit. Yeah, you're like, well, holy shit, because, no, three years from now, you'll be like, Rise is freaking Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> yeah. Dawn is like something that's pretty decent. And then the third one is whatever. Yeah. Rise is literally 2001 a space odyssey yes yeah, so, so you you've essentially given third them, is really bad uh yeah but, that that you, would have to be given how them bad it all is. they need to do to continue the series because as you stated with every one they make the previous films get better so <laughs> if you if you graph if you plot this on a scale if they make 26 of these damn things um then the first one will be like the greatest film ever made. <laughs> yeah, if once they get to like Rise Ten or whatever, yeah, they're going to try to surpass the James Bond um, series. Totally. Yeah, it'll yeah. just be like, 
you know, once Andy Serkis gets too old, they'll just get another guy because it doesn't matter because you can't tell anyway. Yeah, it's it's actually going to, the last one will be Ape Bond and he's Agent Oo Seven. <laughs> I think that's uh, I think that's a good point to uh, stop on. I, I think so. I, I th- yeah, M is for monkey. <laughs> Once again, <laughs> no M is the uh, what is it? Maurice. M is Maurice, the oh, yeah. big orangutan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, I think that right there, already more interesting movie. Yeah, in my opinion. <laughs> it's just Daniel Craig like acting opposite apes. Yeah, like M is just like we have your new partner, and it's like ah, <laughs> damn it! It's like cop and a half, but with an ape. Good times. Um, yeah. What do you say we just uh, get to our verdict then for this episode, Carson? All right. All right. If you're going to give this a must see, a recommend with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must avoid, what would you give it? Well, I was very bored during this movie, and I think it's even blander and more averager than the original, or, you know, not the original, but Rise. Uh, And I think it's equally as disappointing because, I, like I said, I think Matt Reeves is a very talented filmmaker, and he's made other movies that has shown, you know, that he can can do all the qualities in this film better. even in the pallbearer, okay, that's an underrated film and a very good character drama. So go see that or go watch it. I think it's on Netflix Instant still. Doesn't have apes in it, but it's pretty good. So I still like Matt Reeves, but I'm going to give the movie a must avoid because I did not find really anything in this movie of value. And like I said, uh, yeah, I, I, I liked it less than rise so what what if it had our uh our spanish priest from deliver us from evil <laughs> and eric banna was in the jason clark role and uh, eric banna was like dude i've only seen one kind of ape and then the mexican the, the spanish priest was, all, was like there are two kinds of apes in this world there are secondary apes regular intelligence and there and are primary apes no, there's primate evil yeah. uh then they have to they have to exercise the ape demons well uh in in uh you know those those ape deities that they prayed to not a good thing yeah james franco god (laughs) james franco inscribed some latin writing before he passed (laughs) (laughs) all right well in, in attempts to you know both celebrate my praise for this rebooted series and also to mirror our review of rise of the planet of the apes i'm gonna give this a must see and uh yeah that that's it i mean i i i genuinely enjoyed it um i thought the stakes were real um you know human characters could have been better but you know that there's enough there uh i'm a big enough fan of jason clark that whatever he does is going to be entertaining to me um you know, Gary Oldman doesn't get a whole lot to do, but but they're still, like, I buy Gary Oldman as the guy who is sort of elected leader of this, you know, pact of humans that are all held up in this tower. Um, yeah. And like, what uh, if, if Gary Oldman was playing it like how he did in The Professional or True Romance, that would have been interesting. Possibly. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm a fan of this film. I mean, going in... I like just the trailer for this film was made the film must see for me and going in I walked out and not disappointed by it so that is 
a high praise in my mind. So, well, so did you like this one better or uh, better than Rise or no? No, the, the the story in Rise is far better. Um, and, and but but we are seeing a logical extension off of that film. So I can't. Um, this doesn't feel like a shitty sequel to me. It just feels like the uh, you know the in between point in. It's kind of like, you know, you watch some, like, it's like, basically this is like a BBC miniseries where, like, episode one establishes everything there is to know and really gets you hooked into it. Uh, Episode two is going to, you know, feed a little bit more into it and show you a continuation of it and really just going to set up the conclusion in episode three of the three-part miniseries. Um, So the real test of this trilogy... Hopefully they stop at a trilogy, but the real the real test will be to see whether the final film justifies the journey as a whole, um, and that'll really be you know like we'll just consider these like you know the Matrix two and three where they're sort of just one arc, and you can't really necessarily take them separately. But for what it presented, I was happy with it. But you, but I'm sure. So you don't agree that this is the Empire Strikes Back to Rises a New Hope? Because I saw someone do that comparison, and I was like, that is wildly inaccurate. Well, in my opinion, Empire Strikes Back is my favorite of the original three Star Wars films. So the Star War, yeah. Uh, yeah but I mean, like, I feel like that comparison is tossed around a lot especially and also the the godfather 2 comparison but it's like it's almost like you have to think it's like yeah you could say that um because obviously you know it's like the, the second movie but you have to look and say that you know like star wars was just like a next level phenomenon like you know like rise wasn't ever that you know i feel like that that also plays a factor into it you know the godfather one was you know, an instant classic, you know, it's, 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 it's on the next level. Like, and, and I think that to make that comparison, you have to, you know, also take into consideration the first movie. I don't know. It's just well, weird. Well, te- like, te- technically this film is actually the scrolling text at the beginning of the empire strikes back because the first one, the new hope was the cure for Alzheimer's. And, uh, this yeah. one is telling you what happened between that attempted cure and now, and the third film will actually be the human empire attempting to strike back against the <laughs> the apes. Um, Basically, they just aped Star Wars. I mean, Star Wars already aped, you know, yeah. the whatever it was, the Joseph. Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, what it so was. it'll have to be a quadrilogy. Hero's journey. It'll have to yeah, be a quadrilogy, and the fourth one will be <laughs> Return of the Caesar. <laughs> <laughs> But, but but I think they, my point was I was once again left scratching my head as to uh, you know all the all the positive praise uh, and how like I don't know this has like a ninety two percent or something on Rotten Tomatoes like it doesn't make any sense to me. Well, it makes plenty of sense to me. So <laughs> <laughs> I just if this is what passes as a ninety two percent nowadays, I I'm scared. <laughs> Yeah, you you would have loved it though if it was a little more coked out. And there was a scene where Caesar was on top of Felicity and said, "Inside you." I would I would appreciate that film far more because even if it was terrible, they would at least be going for something different. I mean, that's exactly why I get on board with these these crazy movies. You want Caesar it, jumping in front of the apes, going, "They're gonna need the national guard because I ain't going nowhere." <laughs> 
Yes. I I think uh I don't know that's just I mean like that's what I'm saying like uh you know it just needs that it needs that extra sense of something to 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 differentiate it you know like I that's why I got like I all of these movies I you know that's what I latch on to now it's like I've seen so much that it's like I've already seen this like I'm bored with that like I give me the give me you know Ryan Gosling going crazy in Thailand, like, it's something, you know, like, something else, like, that's, and, and especially with these big studio movies, like, like, we need to approach it with, like, a little bit of a different, you know, style, like, that's all I'm saying. All right, well, uh, that is all Carson is saying, but if you want to find <laughs> out more of what Carson is saying, uh, uh well, wh- you won't wh- really find, you, Carson? you won't really find more, but you can go to practicalcandy.wordpress.com. Uh, it's not very, not very, it's not updated frequently. I'm just going to let you know. Yeah. Uh, if people want to find my stuff, they can do that over at ChristopherInRealLife.com, which technically isn't updated very frequently, but I did just move it over to Squarespace. So oh, it, okay. it, well, it looks slicker. <laughs> so so, so it has a, has a new, you know, uh, look. Yes. That, that, has a new look updated. and feel, uh, which it was funny because I was purging old posts because like when I moved everything over, I was like, I'm just not going to put everything in there so i was going through and like looking at every single post and deleting a bunch of stuff and it's amazing how many of them were like updated my site again <laughs> <laughs> like that, that was like the, the days back of wordpress where it's like i'm not gonna write a new new blog post i'm just gonna create a whole new wordpress theme and spend like a night tweaking with that um but totally. anyways yeah com, twitter.com slash christopherirl you can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. You can like us at twitter.com or you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning to figure out when the new episodes go live or like us on facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com. You can use the contact form at thespoilerwarning.com um, to do the same thing or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW at 760-575-4879. Um, you know, you can also just record on your computer, you talking, and then email that to fans at thespoilerwarning.com. That, that's better if you don't want to actually use the phone. Yeah. Um, you could be like, oh, just, Carson's so wrong. Yeah. F you. Apes are awesome. They look so real. And that, that would that'd be it. <laughs> it's just... All right. Well, music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Apes. Uh, you know, written by Carson's favorite, uh, Michael <laughs> Giacchino. Yeah, I, I I wonder what uh, puntastic uh, titles the tracks have on this. Soundtrack. I think I saw a post online that was like, "Check out these uh, all the great <laughs> oh, puns no. in this." Yes, yeah, so I think I think it's already, I think it's probably pretty bad. I didn't completely mind the score in this, although it's very much an homage to the original movie, and and it does. Just have a feeling of like, oh, like someone really loves John Williams. Uh, I don't know, but at least it was a little, it was a little different than just like Inception horns and you know the usual. Yeah. So I'll I'll give it that. I'll give it that. All right. Well, you, know, uh, that you, is the you win. You win this time, Giacchino. Yeah. So so that's the <laughs> review, guys. Um, I am going to go take off and uh, watch the final World Cup game. Go Germany. So. Uh, Yeah, uh, catch you guys later, and uh, thanks for joining me, Carson. Yep. Later, guys. Uh, Bye.
<laughs> I was like, I don't know. 